And if you have your Bible, you can open it with me to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8. And you're going to see Steve's uh, teamwork as they roll that whiteboard out here because later in the sermon I'm going to use that. Um, don't you love the way rain keeps Baptists home? <laughs> but the cream of the crop's here, right? It was interesting watching those football games uh, yesterday in the rain, and you, you may have trouble seeing the, the screen on, on, on this side when you're right because that projector is sent off for repairs and we should get it back and we had to put a replacement in and to do that, they had to disconnect the ones in the back and blah, blah, blah. So it is what it is. Hopefully everything will be fixed next week. But um, all of those football games in the rain credited for some interesting games, watching the Kentucky-Missouri game last night and the Ohio's, the uh, Michigan-Notre Dame game. It's just like sheets of rain coming down. And, and yet you, you had all these fans, thousands and thousands of fans in the stadium where there are ponchos and even some crazy young ones, you know, with no clothes, no shirts on or anything. But they're there in the rain, soaking wet, watching football. One of my uh, fondest memories was in 1995, uh, not long after South Carolina joined the SEC, we went to the Kentucky-South Carolina football game in Columbia that year. And Mo Williams was our All-American running back, and he set an SEC record that still stands, gained more all-purpose yards that day than anyone other than a quarterback passing in the history of the SEC. I think it was uh, 400 and... uh, 29 all-purpose yards, had 299 rushing yards. And, and, and so it was a great game for a Kentucky fan to watch. But first half, beautiful weather. And then at halftime, it's like the, the, the heavens opened and God just dumped out buckets of rain. I don't mean a drizzle. I mean just buckets of rain the entire second half. And what do you think happened to that stadium? Some stuck around, others left. Now, I think Stephen was about nine, Jacqueline was about seven, so all four of us were there. And Monisa and Jacqueline spent the second half of that beautiful Kentucky win in the concourse. My nine-year-old boy and I, we sat out there with God just dumping rain on us, soaking it up and watching Mo Williams have fun. We stuck it out. Do you know that Jesus said, If you are a real disciple, if you are a real follower of his, you stick it out. You may have some moments of discouragement where you struggle and maybe stop, but you don't stay stopped. If you're the real deal, Jesus said, you last. You stick it out. A disciple is someone who endures and perseveres. So look look with me at what he said in John chapter 8. And this, by the way, is our memory verse for this month. But, but let's start at verse 30 of John chapter 8. Now, I want you to have your Bibles because, see, here's the thing. For you to mature as a disciple, for you to grow and make the progress that Jesus wants you to make as his student learner follower, you need to be in his word. There's simply no way you're going to become everything Jesus has saved you to be if you don't ever open this. So I'm encouraging you to open it because I want you to grow. I want you to stick. I want you to last. I want you to mature. So open the Word of God. John chapter 8, starting with me at verse 30, it says, He spoke these things 
As, as Jesus was teaching and preaching, many came to believe in him. Verse 31, so, therefore, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Let's, let's quote verse, verse 31 since that's our uh, memory verse. And, and it's over here on this screen. You can see it really well if you don't have your Bible with you this morning. Can, can, you, can you stand with me? Let's just quote this out loud. Let's just work on memorizing this verse of Scripture. Are you ready? So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue... All right, stop there. The, the free, that's part of the next verse, so ignore that, okay? Let's do it again, starting with so. Are you ready? So Jesus was say. Thank you, and you can be seated. Now, that's a pretty powerful passage. Here's what's happening. Earlier in chapter 8, opposition to Jesus is growing among the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and even some who were not religious leaders. They're listening to him. They're intrigued by him. But opposition is, is growing because they like some of what he says, but then he says these things they don't like. So they're struggling. And more and more of them are starting to just make up their mind, no, I'm not going to follow him. I'm not going to believe him. And they're becoming opponents. They're becoming resistors, if you will, who are wanting to persecute him. But some of them, it tells us in verse 30, believed. Some of them outwardly said, we believe you, Jesus. We believe you. We believe what you say. We believe you are who you are. And then Jesus sounded a warning to them in verse 31. So, therefore, this is true. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Now, notice that verse 31 of the New American Standard Translation begins with the word so. In, in, in the Greek text of the New Testament, there's a conjunction there that means so or therefore or because of that. The NIV leaves that word out for some reason. And so it's like Jesus is saying, you know, here, here's all this crowd, a big crowd, and some of them are rejecting me, but some of them are saying they believe me. So because of that, because some are opposing and some are believing, Jesus speaks a word of warning to those who are making an outward profession that they believe in him. He said, so, therefore, pay attention. If you continue... In my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Continue means to hold on to, to abide in, to remain, to stick with, to persevere, to keep going, to not give up, to not quit, to remain, to stand firm, to last. My word means the, the totality of Jesus' teaching, that's the reason I believe it's the NIV translates it, if, if you hold to my teaching. So it's the totality of everything Jesus teaches about who he is, about God, about life, about eternity. You are truly, you, you really are my disciples. Now, Jesus is really saying here there are three types of people in the world. There are non-believers. 
There are real believers and there are false believers. Non-believers, real believers, false believers. Now here's a question that each person in this room, including myself, needs to answer. Which type am I? Which group do I belong to? Now, I want you to notice something about the text. Jesus says in verse 31, really pay, pay attention to the grammar. He says, if you continue in my word, in my teaching. So if you continue is pointing to the future, right? It's not talking about this moment, not talking about today. He says, if in the future you continue, if going forward you hold fast to, if in the future you remain, okay, in my teaching, you continue to believe. He says, if that happens, then you are present tense. Now get that. Don't miss that. Very important. If going forward you continue in my teaching, you are in this moment, in the now, in the present tense, truly, really one of my disciples. That construction matters. What Jesus is saying is that the future proves, the future demonstrates the present reality. The future does not create it. In other words, you don't become a disciple of Jesus because as the years pass, you remain true. It's not a works-based salvation. It's not a works-based discipleship. It's not a works-based relationship with God. So in the future, if you are faithful, that does not make you a disciple. What Jesus is saying is as time passes, if you continue... It means that in this moment when you confess faith in me, it was real. If you do not continue in the future, it means that whatever you confess in this present moment was not real. We all know what a non-believer is. A false believer is someone who confesses faith, who says, Jesus, I believe you, I believe your word, I believe your teaching, I commit myself to you. But as the years pass, they don't live it out. They are, they are not faithful to it. What Jesus is saying is that their life in the future, their, their, their approach to life in the future, their, their abandonment of faith and faithfulness in the future speaks to back here in the moment when they said, I'm a believer. And Jesus is saying, if you don't stick, then back here when you said, I'm a believer, you really weren't. The future doesn't create, the future shows. The future demonstrates, the future reveals, the future proves, the future establishes what was in the present. Notice this passage on the screen here from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Next slide, there we go. Verses 38 and 39, Jesus, God is speaking, he says, but my righteous one, those, those of us who belong to him, notice this, my righteous one shall live by what? By faith. And if he shrinks back, God says, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are none of those who shrink back, okay, don't continue in the future. When they shrink back, what do they shrink back to? Say it, church. Say it, church. 
But who are we? We are of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. There's an old revival preacher used to say, if your faith fizzles before the finish, it was faulty from the first. Did you get that? If your faith fizzles before the finish, it was faulty from the first. Jesus says, if in the future you remain true, then that demonstrates that in the present moment, your profession of faith was the real thing. You're not a false believer. Now, you're in the Gospel of John chapter 8. Just turn a few pages to John chapter 15. I want to show you another passage, explain it briefly, and then tell you a couple of stories and see if we can pull this together. All right? John chapter 15. Very famous passage beginning at verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, remember, Jesus loved to teach using analogies, word pictures from everyday life to make spiritual points. And so he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, so Jesus is the vine, and then you have the branches growing off of it. We're the branches. Those who profess to be followers of Christ, disciples, we're the branches. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He cuts it away. Fruit, growth, 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 progress, continues in, continues with, remains faithful. There's fruit, there's growth. But he, he, he says if, if there is no growth, no fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He keeps working in us so we continue to grow and become more faithful and more productive. That's, that's the desire of our hearts. Verse 3, you, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, you're going to see a major focus this morning on, 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 on the word that Jesus spoke, his teaching, his word, and the scripture, and our spiritual growth, and, and that giving evidence that we are real disciples, not false, not false believers. He says in verse 4, abide in me, remain in me, continue in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit unless uh, itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, if anyone does not abide in me, Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone does not continue in my word, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Pretty straightforward words. Now, Most of you know that first time I ever attended church was my sophomore year of high school when Evelyn invited me to come to a revival that Monday evening at her home church. And I went, and my life was changed. It's never been the same since. Well, uh, Friday, this, this Friday, I was on the phone speaking with Evelyn and another uh, high school classmate of mine, Georgiana, and Monisa's friends with all of them. They were the two of them were cheerleaders with her. And and so I was talking to them, and I was, I was praying with Georgiana and with Evelyn because Evelyn has cancer. She had cancer ten years ago, and uh, now she has uh, a different. Now listen to this: she has a 
different type of cancer in each breast. And uh, she's been taking chemo for several months, and she, she'll have a double mastectomy radical uh, Tuesday. So be praying. I appreciate you. Covet your prayers for her. And then she'll have chemo and radiation beyond that, and they still don't know about the, you know, the, you know, the lymph nodes and glands and all that yet. So a lot to be determined. But it's a serious situation. So we're, I'm sitting in the, in the parking lot on my cell phone, you know, praying with Evelyn and with Georgiana. Now, Evelyn's saved and She's a disciple and she lives for Jesus and she's confident that if she dies, she's going to heaven. We talked about that. She's witnessing to her doctors, none of whom are believers. But here's the thing, okay, here's the thing. Evelyn invited me to church when we we were sophomores in high school. About a month after I started going, she stopped attending. She would come once in a blue moon. She stopped really living for the Lord. She didn't you know, stop believing, but she, there, there wasn't a lot of evidence of faithfulness and growth. There's just, she just kind of dropped out. You've known people to do that, right? And she stayed that way for a few years. She graduated college, moved to Florida. She married, and there was a moment some years later when she reaffirmed her faith in Jesus, recommitted her life to Christ. And she's been living faithfully for him in the decades since. So I know she's a disciple. Why? Because even though she had a, a hiccup, she had a, a season when, when she struggled, when she was not faithful, guess what? She lasted. She came back. Because if you're the real deal, that's what you do. And I, I, I can feel confident that if it's not God's will to heal her, she's going to heaven because for decades now, she's been living faithfully for Jesus Christ. The future, the future proves the reality of the moment when you say you're, you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple, you are a believer. <clears throat> been a lot of uh, stuff in the news and you may or may not have picked up on it a lot in the Twitterverse about Kanye, the, the rapper for the last 20, 25 years, becoming a Christian. And he said over the years a lot of controversial things. And recently he said he's a Christian. He's released a gospel album. And uh, some people are all excited and others are skeptical and some are even critical. <clears throat> I'm not a rap music fan, but I've, I've read some of the lyrics. And he's written some really powerful lyrics in that album. Some very insightful, very insightful lyrics about, about Jesus Christ. It's even got a song about Chick-fil-A in there, which is pretty cool. Now, is Kanye, is he really a believer? I don't know. I saw one article by a secular magazine saying it was all just a con job. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's what I do with anybody who says they become a follower of Christ. If you don't, let me ask you, why do you not? I mean, that was the problem with the Apostle Paul when he got saved. A lot of the established church leaders didn't want to give Paul any benefit of the doubt. Barnabas came along beside him and encouraged him, and Paul became the greatest missionary in the history of the church. Don't allow the flesh to dictate how you treat people. Is he a true believer? I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of that. I'm going to hope he is. I'm going to pray that he is. But you know when I will know? 
in the future. Because if he is faithful over the years, it proves that what he is confessing today is real. I can't see into his heart. You cannot see into his heart. But the future reveals, right? So I pray that as the years go by, he's faithful. Because I pray that it's real. Bob Dylan, raised Jewish. There was a season in his life when he professed faith in Jesus, even released some Christian songs. But then a while after, he abandoned faith in Jesus completely. And so the future proved that for Dylan, what he confessed at that moment in time was not real. So it was a false belief. It was a false discipleship. B.J. Thomas, some of you, some, some of you who are my generation... We remember B.J. Thomas, teardrops falling on you, all that, you know, those songs. And, and then he became a, a believer and he put out all those great Christian songs that we like. Well, he abandoned it. I saw him in a concert and when, 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 when he explained that, when, when he came to understand what Jesus said and the Bible said about hell, he just could not accept that a God who was loving would allow anybody to go to hell. And because he couldn't accept some of the teaching of Jesus, he backed away. And so the future proved that what he said at one time in, in, in his life was a false. It wasn't real. Now, here's the thing. We all know people. It's not just celebrities. We have relatives. We have friends. We have co-workers who stood at one time and said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And for a moment it looked like it, but then the years passed and they remained, they, they, they became unfaithful. They backed away. Now, if they're still alive, I don't know what the future holds, but what I do know is this, is that if you are the real deal, if when you confess faith and belief in Jesus, you are a disciple and it's real, the future is going to show it. And if you're not real, the future is going to show it. The future doesn't determine it. The future doesn't make it true. The future reveals it. That's an important distinction. So if your faith is real, it shows up down the road. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is more than just saying a magic prayer. It's about having a life-changing relationship with Christ. Now let me show you some things. I want to show you what I'm calling wrong thinking. This is the way some of us approach this, okay? And this is wrong thinking. You know, there are non believers and then we say you become a believer and then some of us have this attitude you know you become a believer and then later you surrender to Jesus as Lord later you become a disciple and then later you become a, a witness you learn enough to be able to be a witness later you become a disciple maker that's the way we sometimes think, I get saved, then later I really let Jesus be Lord of my life and I become a disciple, and then later I learn enough to be a witness, to be an evangelist, to be a disciple maker. And Jesus says, no, no, no. All of these become true of you at the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. The very moment you become a true believer, you become a follower, you become a disciple, 
you become a witness. You are a testimony for Jesus the very moment you give your heart to Christ. Now, what does happen, okay, because all of this is here, what does happen is we grow, we mature, we learn, and yes, every day I reaffirm the Lordship of Jesus in my life. But if when I give my heart to Jesus Christ, if I am not saying in that moment, He is my Lord, He is my leader, He is my master, I'm not saved. It's not just a matter of praying some magical prayer of forgiveness that has nothing more to it than I don't want to go to hell. It is a commitment of life to Jesus as Lord and Master, to follow Him. This, this way of thinking is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian, was referring to when he talked about cheap grace. It's what some mean when they talk about easy believism. Now you remember, we said a disciple is, what is a disciple? Remember this circle? A disciple is, Someone who follows Jesus is being transformed by Jesus, growing in his own mission with Jesus. He's a witness. He's serving. A disciple doesn't start here and then a disciple. This is all happening simultaneously. And yes, I grow. Yes, I become wiser, more mature, stronger. But all of that is happening in my life from the very moment I become a follower of Christ. It's not just a matter of forgiveness. It's a matter of I'm a, I'm a disciple of Jesus. You remember the Jewish rabbis would have what they called disciples, students. And those students followed those rabbis around and they learned from them. They had conversations with them. They served with them. They obeyed their rabbi. They became like their rabbi, thought like their rabbi. And, and Jesus is saying, you are my disciples. I'm your rabbi. I'm your teacher. The word disciple at its heart means a student, a learner and you become that in the very beginning that in the very beginning i'm following my rabbi jesus every day of my life on this earth and as i follow him i am continuing to learn as i follow him i am continuing to grow as i follow him i am continuing to become more like him obey him more and more be shaped transformed by him and then do what he does it's a commitment of my life to jesus as a disciple and the word plays a big part of that chapter 15 look at these verses real quickly on the screen chapter 15 of john verse 7 he said if you abide in me and my my what my what abide where in you now look at verse 14 you are my friends if you do what i next slide john 14 15 if you love me you will keep my 1421, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Do you see a connection between the word? You, you cannot separate Jesus from his teaching. You cannot separate Jesus from who he is. You cannot separate Jesus from his word. Let's look at the next one. 
if anyone loves me, he will keep my what? And my Father will love him. And we, we, my Father, me, Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my... Next slide. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my... Then you are truly... You get the picture. Now, reading the Bible doesn't make you a disciple. Okay, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a true disciple will place himself or herself under Jesus, under his word, because it is the word that enables us to have faith. It is the word that the Holy Spirit uses to produce growth and maturity. It is the word that God uses to transform us. It is the word that God uses to strengthen us and to give us confidence and courage. It is the word that God gives us so that we are able to speak a word from God to those who are lost in this world. But if we never read the word, we don't study the word. Wow. So our Bible reading needs to be intentional and consistent. Some of you say, well, you know, years ago I read it a lot, but don't much anymore. Well, That was good then, but that's not good now. What about now? You know, the the Word of God is not like a a genie in a bottle. I have some problems. I have some questions. I have some challenges, and I pick up, you know, the genie in a bottle, and I rub it, and I open it, and hope magic comes out. No, 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 no. The Word, the Word is to enable us to do all of this. To follow Jesus as a disciple the way I'm supposed to. To be transformed and grow and change the way I'm supposed to as a disciple. To be on mission, serving and and witnessing and, and being generous and giving. To do whatever he's asking me to do. The word is what he uses to produce that. To, to enable all of that. That's the reason, you know, in January we're going to launch a bunch of D groups. And I don't know how many. We have about 20, 25 people who say they want to lead the group. So we could, that's a great start, really great start. But, but here's the thing. I'm going to encourage each and every one of us, whether you're in a D group or not, to read the New Testament next year and to do it systematically. Because in January, when the D groups start, they're going to read five chapters in the New Testament every week, starting in the Gospel of Luke. And over the course of a year, we'll read every chapter in the New Testament, journal about it, get together in a small group of four, five, six people, talk about it, pray about it, and hold each other accountable. That's what's going to happen in the D groups. And God's going to use that to produce a lot of this. Now, if you're not in a D group, I'm going to ask you, starting in January, and we'll talk more about it later, I'm going to ask you to read the same chapters those of us in the D groups are reading I'm going to encourage you, whether you're in a D group or not, to read five chapters of the New Testament every day next year, and we'll give you the reading plan as we get closer. Then here's what God's put on my heart to do. Except for some occasional Sundays, maybe Easter and some others, some occasional Sundays, every Sunday next year or most Sundays next year, the sermon that I preach is going to come from one of the five chapters that we will have read that week leading up to that Sunday. Now, our goal, listen to me, this is important. 
The goal is not for you to read. The goal is for you to encounter Jesus through his word. The goal is for you to grow. The goal is for you to mature. The goal is for you to be more effective at being on mission. The goal is for you to be open to where God wants to transform you and change you and mature you. The goal is for you to follow the will of God, the will of Jesus in your life. The the goal is for you as a disciple to increasingly look like a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how to make it any clearer that for us, without the Word of God, that's not going to happen. So I'm encouraging every person to start reading the Gospel. And now, you, you don't have to wait till January. Go ahead and start reading the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. Just get in to the Word of God. And I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church. I want to encourage you to take notes during sermons because we know from research that people who take notes learn more. Pay attention better. Their minds don't wonder as much. Because our goal is we are students, we are learners, we are disciples of Jesus, and we just want to soak it all up. Because the future, we want the future to show that what we claim today was the real deal. That's what I want for each and every person in this room. That's what I want for you. Because if you just settle for where you are, your future gets cloudy. And you don't want that. I want you to grow. Let's stand. We're going to sing a hymn. And you're invited to make your way to the altar. To pray about your discipleship, your relationship with Christ, your growth. To pray about your Bible reading. And if you've never started this journey, you've never given your life to Christ and become one of his disciples pastors to be here come and give your heart to jesus christ come and join this church let's sing together